God, you are worthy. So God, we will build our lives on your love. Guide us and be our foundation. Be our North Star. Inspire us again as we open up your scriptures, as we hear these ancient stories. Guide us in our thinking, in our being this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Genesis chapter 27. And it goes like this. When Isaac had grown old and his eyesight was failing, he, he summoned his older son Esau and said to him, My son. And Esau said, I'm here. He said, I'm old and don't know when I will die. So now take your hunting gear, your bow and quiver of arrows, go out to the field and hunt game for me. Make me the delicious food that I love and bring it to me so I can eat. Then I can bless you before I die. Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau went out to the field to hunt game to bring back, Rebekah told, said to her son Jacob, I just heard your father saying to your brother Esau, bring me some game and make me some delicious food so I can eat and I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me, to what I am telling you to do. Go to the flock and get me two healthy young goats so I can prepare them as the delicious food your father loves. You can bring it to your father. He will eat, and then he will bless you before he dies. Jacob said to his mother, Rebekah, My brother Esau is a hairy man, but I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me and thinks I'm making fun of him? I will be cursed instead of blessed. His mother said to him, your, your curse will be on me, my son. Just listen to me. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made the delicious food that his father loved. Rebekah took her older son Esau's favorite clothes that were in the house with her, and she put them on her younger son Jacob. On his arms and smooth neck, she put the hide of young goats, and the delicious food and the, and the bread she had made, she put into her son's hand. Jacob went to his father and said, My father. And he said, I'm here. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your oldest son. I've made what you asked me to. Sit up and eat some of the food, some of the game so that you can bless me. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was in college, I liked to do a little bit of art, um, and I was a decent drawer. I could draw pretty well. I could uh, draw pretty close to life, and I felt pretty good about it, and so I would get involved in drawing and ink, and, and I would get involved in painting a little bit, and then I had this one class on watercolor, and I hated it. Watercolor is the worst. If you want to do art, don't do that. Um, here's the problem with watercolor. When you go to draw your picture, you start with pencil. You start with pencil. You don't start just with your brush. You start with pencil. You draw what you think you're going to paint, right? You draw, maybe it's a landscape, maybe it's a mountain. You draw the outline. You draw a little bit of shading. You get your directions on where you want to go with the pencil. Then you take your brush and you dip it in a little bit of ink, you dip it in water, and then you put it on the paper, and the ink and water just 
goes wherever it wants to go, right? And it's frustrating because it's hard to control. It doesn't see the pencil marks. It doesn't stay in the lines. I remember throwing away paper after paper because I couldn't get it right. I couldn't get it right. I was frustrated. I remember going to class and saying, this took me five, ten tries. You should have seen all the paper I threw away to try to get this watercolor put together. My, my professor said, why did you throw away any? And I said, well, the ink and the water didn't go where I wanted it to go. And he says, that's watercolors, right? But then wherever it goes, you as the artist, you have to determine and think to yourself, well, I'm going to work with what I have now. When the ink and the water goes outside your pencil lines, you incorporate that into the bigger picture. And it is frustrating and it is difficult. And that's why I can appreciate watercolor, but I'm not going to do it anymore, right? (laughs) I think when God is creating the world, it's a lot like watercolor. God has a plan. God wants things. God has an idea of how God wants things to go, and so he designs it. God creates the world in love and beauty to delight and enjoy one another. But the watercolors, the ink and the water started running in different directions and got outside the lines. Now, God had, God had a choice. God could have started all over, th- ripped up that paper, throw it away, or God could just let the ink and water kind of do whatever it wants. God decided at first, you know what? I'm going to start over. I'm going to throw it all away. This is the Noah and the flood story. When, the, when creation got too crazy, God said, forget it. I'm throwing it all away. God decides that he's going to destroy everything utterly, is what Genesis 6 says. But then... God immediately does not do that. God can't bring himself to do it. So God says, okay, I'm going to save. I'm going to save a remnant. I'm going to save a remnant of all this creation that I love. I'm going to save this family. I'm going to save two of every animal. It's going to be really cute in children's stories years down the road. And, And God decides he can't destroy it all. He saves a remnant of creation. And then the same problems happen. Noah's family and the generations after, they, they continue to go crazy. They continue to hurt one another. They continue to act out of chaos. So God says, I'm not going to destroy it anymore. That's not the plan. So is God just going to let creation run amok? God's not going to do that either. God comes up with a new plan. Not to stand back and let creation destroy itself. Not to come in and destroy creation God's self. God's new plan is to enter into creation, to save it from within creation. What I call God's long-term rescue project, because it's going to take time. God comes in to woo the hearts of creatures like you and me, to bring them back. God starts with Abraham, God says, Abraham, I've got a new plan. We're going to save this world. You're going to do it, you and your family. I'm going to bless you to bless the entire world. Abraham says, awesome, but God, I'm 75 and I can't have children. I haven't had any children. How is my family going to bless the world? God says, don't worry about that. I'll take care of it. You follow me. 25 years later, Abraham says, God, I'm a hundred (laughs) now. Where's that family you promised? God says, 
one more year. <laughs> and the next year comes by, and Abraham's wife Sarah is pregnant with Isaac, and Isaac becomes that promised child through whom God is going to bless the entire world. Now, the stories, the family stories in Genesis, they are mostly concerned about blessing. What does it mean to be blessed? God blessed Abraham. God blessed Isaac. Isaac becomes the child of blessing. What does it mean to be blessed? Now, Isaac has twin baby boys. Isaac was the blessed one. Isaac was the blessed son of Abraham. Now, he's got two twin baby boys. One's named Esau, which means red, because when he was born, he came out looking red. And the second was Jacob, which means heel grabber, because when he was born, he came out grabbing the heel of his brother. Naming babies back in the day was really easy, right? <laughs> Whatever they were doing on that day, that's your name now. Um, but here's the question. Who's going to get the blessing? Who, through whom is God going to change the world? Through whom is God going to bless? Who is chosen? It seems radically unfair, radically unfair, that because you were born minutes after somebody, you get zero blessing. It seems radically unfair. And so we have these two children who is going to be the favored one? Who is going to be the chosen one? Who is going to have the blessing of God? Turns out the parents uh, have favorites. Kids, if you think your parents don't have favorites, the Bible says otherwise, right? So, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I don't have any favorites. Um, <laughs> and Isaac says to Esau, the older one, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you before I die. I'm going to pass this blessing on, the blessing that God gave to Abraham, that Abraham gave to me. I'm going to pass it on to you. But before I do, would you make me that, that soup that I love? Esau says, you got it. Rebecca, Isaac's wife, says to Jacob, I don't want Esau to get that blessing. I don't want Esau to get that blessing. You got to get that blessing. Here's what you're going to do. I'm going to make the food for you. I want you to wear some of your brother's clothes. I want you to smell like him. Your dad's blind. He's not going to know. <laughs> Jacob goes, but I can't, grow a, I can't grow a beard and I'm not very hairy. Here, put some, put some goat skin on you. I don't know. I mean, Esau might be blind, but I don't think that would fool me. Um, and, so he, and so Rebecca gives Jacob uh, the soup and he goes in. And he steals the blessing from Esau. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Rebecca and Jacob are under the assumption that there's a limited amount of blessing, and in order to get it, you have to cheat and steal for it, right? They think, I gotta get my own blessing. If you want blessing, you have to take it, is what Jacob and Rebecca believe. <clears throat> I don't think that that's the case. I don't think God is as stingy with blessing as we think God is. <clears throat> I think God is more generous than that. There's actually two kinds of blessings I want to mention this morning. There's one kind of blessing we call creational blessing. Creational blessing is those benefits that we have, those um, material goods that we have, the blessing of just 
being, uh, of having clothes, of having food, of having shelter, of having the material needs met. <clears throat> Is this the kind of blessing that God promised to Abraham? I don't think so. I don't think so, because Abraham had everything he needed. Abraham was wealthy. Abraham was comfortable. What he didn't have was children of his own. What he didn't have was a clear direction in his life. Creational blessing is just the material possessions that we need, that we want. And here's the reality is that God, God is generous with these things too, right? In Matthew, Jesus says, God um, makes the sun shine on the wicked and the righteous. God makes the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. God is good to all creation. It doesn't matter who you are, God wants to provide for you. God wants to care for you. God wants to give you the things that you need. Now, I think sometimes we don't know the things we need. Therein lies the problem, right? So if we align ourselves with what God wants and what God needs for us, then we'll know how to ask and get what God wants to give us. God is generous to all people. Sends the sun and the rain on all people. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how good you've been. Doesn't matter how bad you've been. God loves you and wants to give you what you need. Creational blessing. The benefits of just being alive and being on this earth. I wonder if that's what Jacob and Rebecca thought that they were getting. I wonder if that's what they thought they had to go and steal and take from Esau, Jacob's brother, Rebecca's oldest son. There's another kind of blessing in Scripture. It's what I call restorative blessing. Restorative blessing. It's the blessing of new life. It's the blessing of forgiveness of sins. It's the blessing of refreshing of a refreshment of a soul, of seeing things in a new way, of being a new person. It's the blessing of a mission. You are called to do something great. You are called to contribute, to change the world. Restorative blessing. You are called to help make things right. This is what God says to Abraham in Genesis 12 too, he says, I will bless you. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing, so that you will change the world. Jesus says it this way, I've come in John 10, 10, I've come to give life and that you may have life abundantly I'm not here just to provide your basic needs. I'm here to refresh your soul. I'm here to give you a mission. I'm here to give you a purpose, a reason for living. I'm here to bless you so that you can bless and change the world. This is what God is calling Abraham and Abraham's family to do. This is God's plan to enter the world, to change hearts and lives, to bless them so that the whole world will be blessed. Here's the thing. You don't have to fight, cheat, or steal to get this blessing. You don't have to come through and, and steal and lie from your brother and trick your dad who is going blind. Come on, that's not nice. <laughs> you don't have to steal this blessing. God says to you, God says to me, I've got a purpose for your life. 
we got a job to do in this world. There's a lot of things that are wrong that we can make right, and we're only gonna make it together. God has decided he's going to make things right, not from outside the world, but from entering the world. He starts with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and through their families. He's going to tell the nation of Israel what God is like. God is going to reveal who God is to them through our scriptures, the Old Testament, which is the Hebrew scriptures, the scriptures of Israel, right? I think sometimes when we look at the Old Testament, we think God is this nasty, evil, uh, you know, vengeful Old Testament God. That's not the case, not even in the Old Testament. There are a couple of cases where that does happen, and it sticks out like sore thumbs, and that's the reason why we remember it. But more often than not, every time in the Old Testament, God is more like the God who spoke to Jonah, who said, Jonah, am I not allowed to have mercy on these people? Am I not allowed to love these people who don't know their right hand from their left? Am I not allowed to be full of grace and mercy? More often, God of the Hebrew Scriptures is like that, full of grace, ready to forgive. So through Abraham and Abraham's family and the people of Israel, God reveals who God is until God finally comes in the flesh in Jesus Christ, fully entering the world, becoming a part of the watercolor painting, joining us where we are, grafting God's destiny with the destiny of creation, bringing heaven and earth together in Jesus. And that work continues through the Holy Spirit breathing into you and me, blessing you to be a blessing in this world, blessing us to make a difference, to bring things, to bring things uh, to correction, to make things right in this world. This is God's work in this world until all things are made right. This is God's long-term rescue project, right? To restore creation to a right relationship, to forgive sins, to establish justice, to end evil, to give abundant life, and make all things right. That's a blessing to be a part of that project. And guess what? Jacob is a part of it. Jacob, this thief, this guy who already stole the inheritance from his brother Esau, who now through deception is stealing the blessing that he thinks he needs to steal, who in a little while will have to run away from his brother Esau because he threatens to murder him, who then will be tricked into this life by his uncle. And we're going to follow all that story. Jacob is incorporated into God's long-term rescue project. God welcomes someone like him. And if God welcomes somebody like Jacob, who lies, cheats, steals, who is not loyal to his family, who is unloving to his wives. If God can say to Jacob, I still want to work through you, God can work through any of us. Jacob and Rebecca, they don't have to lie and cheat and steal to get this blessing. All they have to do is open up their fists, raise their palms to God and say, God, bless me. Bless me to bless others. 
bless me and give me a purpose. Give me direction and guidance. Make me an instrument of your good work, of your service, of your hope in this world. Bless me. And God, who is not stingy with blessing, will bless you over and over and over again and pour out his Holy Spirit on you and make you an instrument of grace and mercy in this world until all things are made right. I'm very hopeful about that. I believe we're going to get there. I believe we are going to right every evil, every injustice in this world. Now, maybe in my lifetime, but maybe not. Maybe not. But I believe God is calling me to do something here and now. I believe God is calling us to move the ball down the field a little bit. I believe God is calling us to work where we can in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our communities, in our country, to establish justice, to rout out evil, and to make things right in this world. I don't think all of us, any one of us, is called to solve every problem in the world. But I do think God has called this church to help build houses for people in our community and our state. I do think God has called this church to help relieve some of the difficulty for Western farm workers by collecting clothes and fans and different things that they need. I do believe God has called us to give some relief to families who are struggling near us, especially during Christmas time when we gather together to do our Christmas sharing project. I don't think we're called to solve every problem in the world, but if we're listening closely, God will say to us, I've blessed you for this purpose. Go and do. Go and make this thing right. We got to be listening for that. When we worship, we take a moment to listen for that. When we come and receive communion, we take a moment to listen and say, God, I'm listening. Bless me. Bless me and fill me so that I can be a blessing to others. That's what we're going to do here right now. If you have kids in children's ministry, I invite you to go and retrieve them so that they can join us at the table.